Hey, welcome back to week number four of a five-part series we have called Wind and Fire, and I'm so excited that you're along for the ride today for that. And uh, let me just take a- another moment before I open today's message and say how grateful I am for you as a church. You know, March the 15th, uh, we, we actually canceled that weekend. We were having church. We, we actually had church on the 15th. And uh, we were going to continue on. We didn't know kind of what, what the world was doing. I was one of those guys in March that said, man, I think it's going to be okay. I think a couple of weeks and we'll be back. Six months later, here, here we are, everybody. And uh, it's been quite a ride. And then in May, things kind of got better. And the state of Texas was in phase three of our reopen plan. And we held three in-person services in June uh, here in this location and then another spike, and so we had to go back online for the last eight weeks. And I just want to tell you how grateful I am as your pastor for your faithfulness, your consistency. Those of you who stayed serving on the Dream Team, uh, listen, I'll be honest with you, I've told you this before, but I'll tell you again, we have done more ministry outside of a Sunday church service than we ever did gathering together, and all of that's because of you. Amen. We've cared for people. We've given literally tens of thousands of dollars away. We've served all over our city, and we've sent uh, money on your behalf all around the world to people that are struggling in this season, uh, in our city in this season, and and, in our missions partners around the world. And all of that is possible because of you. I'm just, I'm honestly blown away uh, by you and just how you've remained faithful and generous and consistent, and that you're back today. And those of you who are joining us in church online, I know that very soon uh, you'll be back in the room. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. There's just nothing like being together in the room. Amen, everybody. So when you're ready, we're ready to welcome you home. Why don't you grab your Bibles? We are in uh, week four of this series. Uh, We've called Wind and Fire. Grab your Bibles, open them up. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you for God's word. Got to open my heart to the Word of God today, and whatever it is you want to say to me, come on, tell Him my answer is yes. God, I'm ready to receive today. I'm ready to be better. I'm ready to grow and stretch and receive everything that God has for me. So I open my heart. I open my mind. I'm ready to get better. I'm ready to receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody shout amen. Come on, do better than that. Shout amen. Amen, Amen, everybody. Thanks again. Uh, for being here. So uh, in week four of this series called Wind and Fire, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. You may have uh, grown up talking about the Holy Ghost or in your Bible and the translation you have, it could be translated that way. And we're also sort of walking through the book of Acts. Now we hadn't gotten past the first chapter and I just, I'm just so you know, I'm not going through all 20, you know, eight of them. I'm so just be, be you, you're welcome, uh, by the way. I've spent four weeks to get through chapter one, and uh, I'm just going to go one more week. I do want to remind you what you just heard in church news, and that is in two weeks. I love this weekend on Labor Day weekend. Uh, it is it's a, a one weekend at the movies experience we call Summer Blockbuster, which is just the coolest thing that we do all year long. I want you to bring every friend that you possibly can, mask them up, because when they get in here... They can eat popcorn and cokes, uh, you know, under their mask or whatever. And uh, it's it's really it's a cinematic experience like you've never had before. If you've never been to at the movies, it's just an amazing thing. I'll take a blockbuster hit. We'll unpack it. I'll preach around it. And uh, the summer blockbuster, we actually take one of our favorite at the movies that we've done over the past four years, 
and we bring that back for summer blockbusters. So I'm super excited about that. Be here on Labor Day weekend. But uh, I, I want to get, get past Acts, the first chapter today, so stick around uh, for that. We said over the last four weeks that uh, the translation of Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost in your Bible is probably not the best translation. A better translation is it's really the wind of God. It's the breath of God in your life. That there's something about, there's this refreshing that comes, everybody knows there's something about the breath of God that blows into your life. Have you ever experienced it? Say amen to that. Like I know what it, matter of fact, you felt it today already, that refreshing, that it just feels like a breath of fresh air that comes into your life. And next week, I'm going to wrap up this particular series talking about where we go next with the Holy Spirit. What it, what, why God gives you the Holy Spirit. You know, God doesn't give you the Holy Spirit just for you. Matter of fact, God doesn't give you anything just for you. Everything God gives you, it's so you can do something with it. Say amen to that. I'll say it better this way. Every blessing you have from God is so you can be a blessing to somebody else. The Holy Spirit's no different. God gives you the Holy Spirit, not just for you, but for service, with purpose. I, I said it like this, that the promise is for purpose. And I want to talk to you about the promise of the Holy Spirit today. And, and as we preach about the Holy Spirit, I know there's a lot of different, you know, everybody's got their own opinion. And, and I've tried over the last four weeks, I hope that you feel this way. We're not talking about the Baptist version, the charismatic version, the Catholic version, the Episcopalian version, the Pentecostal version, the Lutheran version, the present. Why do the Pentecostal, every time I say that, everybody amens. The Lutheran version, nobody at the Lutheran version amens. They just all, you know, just look at you or whatever, you know. Uh, we're not talking about all of those versions. I'm not even talking about my version. We're not talking about the City Hills idea. We're talking about what God's idea is for the Holy Spirit in your life. We want to go to God's Word, and whatever God's Word says about it, it's true and it's for me. Say amen to that. It's true and it's for me. And honestly, confusion about the Holy Spirit isn't new. Acts 19 uh, uh, talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in one particular story. And they had confusion about the Holy Spirit and what it was about too. Acts 19 and 1 says, Apollos was at Corinth and Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples of Jesus already saved. They were disciples. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed when you believed? And, and they, they literally answered verse 2, no. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. We were just, like, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. They're saved, but is there something else? And so now there's this open conversation. I, I've never even heard of it. I'm unsure of it. And maybe that's where you are saved on your way to heaven, a Christian, but the idea, the teaching, the person, the power of the Holy Spirit may be foreign to you. You're in good company, it was foreign to them as well. But I hope over the last couple of weeks, you've become more comfortable with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about the power that's available to you. I said it like this, that uh, the power of the Holy Spirit is like a backhoe digging a ditch instead of a shovel. You can do it on your own with a shovel. It's just not near as powerful or near as fast or near as effective as when you have a tool that God would give you to be able to accomplish all God wants you to accomplish. Say amen to that. We say it better this way. You can try on your own, but why would you? When there's the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to you. Say amen to that. 
And so today I just want to dive head first in. Some of y'all have waited four weeks at Church Online for me to talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and what it means and why it's for you and why the Holy Spirit is available and how you can receive that promise from God. The Holy Spirit is poured out in the book of Acts, the second chapter. And it's poured out on the disciples of Jesus. Let me, let me reiterate again. It doesn't make you not saved because you haven't experienced it. Because all the disciples believed in Jesus, but they're still there for the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? Say amen. So Acts 2 opens that way, and the Bible says it like this. If you have your Bibles are on the screen, when the day of Pentecost was came, when it was fully come, they were all together in one place. I'll get back to that. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. You don't think that was by accident, do you? Suddenly a violent wind, the sound of a violent wind came from, everybody shout heaven. It came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me pause here and tell you, I don't care what kind of religious background you have or how you were raised, it doesn't always have to be some kind of hyper-charismania thing that's going on. The disciples were just sitting in a house and could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say it like this. You can be sitting in your car. You can be sitting in your house. You could be watching church today around the kitchen table. And it could happen right where you are. God's Spirit isn't limited to this building or to this room or to stained glass or a church. When I can't get to Him, come on, the Holy Spirit will come find you right where you are. And so they're sitting there and this violent wind comes blowing in. Verse 3. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on everybody, say, each of them. Not a few of them. Not, it wasn't just for a select really great people, the, the ones that have it all together kind. It wasn't just for, well, this is a special disciple. It wasn't just for the 12. It was for everybody that was in the room. And all of them, verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Jesus lives 33 years on the earth. He's crucified. You know he's buried and resurrected. We celebrate that at Easter. And after the resurrection, Jesus walks around for 40 days with his disciples. And he gives them these final instructions. And he just it's really cool. Actually, one of the reasons I love the Bible is it, it, it gives you details like this. That he would just pop into rooms sometimes. Like, pff, he would be there. And then he'd walk right out of the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he would show back up again. And I think that's super cool. I plan to do that after we go to heaven. I don't know how or where or what. Anyway, I just plan on doing it. And so he does that. And in the 40 days, he's given these final instructions to his disciples and then he goes back to the fight he ascends to heaven on the mount what we call the mount of transfiguration there's about 500 disciples that see him ascend into heaven and then about 120 plus or minus make their way back to the upper room of a house probably where they had shared the final meal with Jesus what we call the last supper they probably went back to the same room. It probably was the house of a disciple because real disciples open their homes for small groups. <laughs> Y'all didn't think I'd say it, did you? So they're back in someone's home, and it's 10 days after that. So follow the timeline. Jesus is resurrected 40 days with the disciples. He ascends to heaven 10 days later. The disciples, about 120 of them, are in 
this upper room, waiting in Jerusalem like Jesus told them to do. And it was the day of Pentecost. That's how Acts 2 opens up. And Pentecost is a holiday. It's a Jewish holiday. The Jewish calendar is divided into uh, seven major uh, uh, feasts. But there are three that are pilgrimage feasts. In other words, there are three out of the seven that every Jewish man over the age of 20 had to travel back to Jerusalem and participate in that Jewish feast. And Pentecost was one of those holidays that all of these Jewish men were there. And Jesus uses these holidays to kind of reveal his plan. The problem is, I'm not Jewish. You're probably not Jewish. And so you lose some significance about the day of Pentecost because it doesn't really, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to abolish that law. I just came to fulfill it. Let me say it better this way. Everything in your Bible points to Jesus. Every Old Testament scripture points to Jesus. Every feast points to Jesus. Every tough day, hard day, battle up and down. Everything about this book from cover to cover is all about Jesus coming to get you and to get me. Shout amen to that. Isn't that good news that God would use billions of people in thousands of years just to get to you? And he does. He uses these feasts to point to Jesus. Three holidays. Write these in your notes if you're a note taker. If you're not a note taker, write these in your notes anyway. Why would you be at church and not be a note taker? So the first one is the the feast of Passover. Passover. Passover, the feast of Passover, is about our salvation in Jesus. It points to our salvation in Jesus. The Hebrews come out of Egypt. They had been stuck there for 400 years as slaves. And God delivers the... Hebrews out of slavery by Moses and you know the story 10 plagues come and the final plague is that the firstborn of every animal and person dies in Egypt but God wanted to spare the Hebrew firstborns and so the plan is the blood of a lamb there has to be a lamb in every home let me pause here and tell you there has to be a lamb in every home I think one of the things the last six months has taught us is you're going to have to have a lamb for your home. You can't wait for church to get back together for you to have a lamb in your home. You can't wait till everybody's all around you for you to feel God's presence. There's something about having a lamb in my home. It's for us. We experience the presence and power of God in our homes. Say amen to that. So they take a lamb. They sacrifice it. And the Bible says... To place the blood of that lamb on the doorposts, on the top and on the side. The Hebrews that were living inside of that home would be saved from the wrath of God. Passover is about your salvation. It's where the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. It's where Jesus forgives me of my sins. We're justified, made right before God. Nothing you can do to earn it. You just have to receive the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary so you could be saved. And Passover happens. Jesus is sacrificed and buried. And His sacrifice removes all of our sins. If you're thankful for it, shout amen. That's Passover. God has more than just Passover. It's just one of the three major feasts. He didn't wrap all of what his plan for the Israelites was up into one feast. And so many Christians honestly sort of wrap everything. Well, this is, I mean, I, you know, this is it. This is, and, I, and it's the apex. And, and it is the foundation. And, and you can't enter into covenant with God without Passover. And, and you can't go to promised land without Passover. And, and, and honestly, it's, it's vitally important. And you got to have it. But it's not all there is. 
And God didn't stop there. Say amen to them. And what I love about Passover is it's free and you can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to deserve it. Ephesians 2 says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you. It's the, everybody shout, gift. It's the gift of God for you. Not that you could do anything for it, because if you could, the Bible said you would walk around boasting about it. Look what I did. Look how good I am. Look what I earned from God. And Passover salvation can't be earned or bought. Say amen. The second feast is Pentecost. It's Pentecost. There's Passover, and then there's Pentecost. And Pentecost simply means buck wild. It doesn't mean buck wild. <laughs> Pentecost literally means 50. It means 50. It's, it's real spiritual, isn't it? It means 50. It's, it was literally 50 days after Passover was the feast of Pentecost. And it's this feast that celebrates that the law is given to Moses on Mount Sinai. They're in the desert. You know the story. They leave Egypt. After Passover, they cross over the Red Sea. They're wandering in the wilderness. Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai. God gives the law to Moses, the Ten Commandments. And the law is given with, watch this, The law is given with fire and a cloud and with smoke and with thunder and with lightning. Let me say it better this way. Pentecost is always an experience. There was clouds and there was smoke and there was lightning and there was thunder. And I'm not saying it's going to happen that way all the time. But there's something about Pentecost that is experiential. In other words, you can't put it here. It has to happen here. It's something I just know that I know that I experienced it. I don't know that any Israelite could fully explain what happened at the top of Mount Sinai. Nobody was allowed to go with Moses. Moses is in the top of the cloud all by himself. But they all were at the bottom looking up there. Matter of fact, at one point they said, he probably died up there. Like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's happening up there. Like a thunderstorm. I saw fire. I saw smoke. He could be dead. We don't know what's happening. But I know this. He met with God. Let me pause here and tell you. I want you to have an experience with the Holy Spirit that there's no doubt that everybody in your life looks and goes, I don't know what's different about them, but I know they've had an experience with God that's changed everything in their lives. It's experience. It's a big experience. And and, and the Holy Spirit is now poured out in Acts, the second chapter, with experience. It's this violent rushing wind, the Bible says. It's a big experience. Pentecost is the power to make a difference. Write that in your notes. Pentecost is the power to make a difference. The third feast that's a major uh, feast where uh, a pilgrimage feast where, where Jewish men would go back to Jerusalem that Jesus talks to, it's really, it's a, it's, it's a symbol of our faith. It's Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Write that in your notes. Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a fall uh, harvest time feast, and it's where the Hebrews would celebrate their wandering in the desert. They're not in the promised land. They were in a temporary home. I love the Feast of Tabernacles. I feel like we're close to the Feast of Tabernacles because we've spent six months kind of wandering around, not really sure what's going to happen, and now we're celebrating that God is going to do everything that God said He was going to do in our lives. And tabernacles literally meant portable, like it was a portable tent. I mean, I like to say it this way, that even when God wanted a house, He chose a portable church. I'm just saying. Like this was God's idea before it was ours. God, to be on God's first 
dream team, you had to be on set up and take down. Come on, somebody. I love that. I love that about this church. And they celebrated that they were wandering. Let me pause here and tell you that the Feast of Tabernacles for you and I as a believer in Jesus reminds us that this world is not our home, everybody. We're just wandering through here for a couple of years. This is not our home. This is not our permanent place. We're living in this temporary tent called earth, but soon and very soon, we're going to heaven, everybody. We're going to leave this world behind. And that's what we're living for. Living for a world that's not this world. Let me go ahead and tell you, if this is heaven... I don't know anybody wants to go. <laughs> this world's not our final home. This world's not our final destination. Let me go ahead and encourage you today. If you're looking around going, Pastor, it seems to be getting worse. I know. Pastor, what are we going to do with all the stuff and all the problems and all the... I don't know what's happening. And th- this seems l- like things are getting worse. And, and, and they are. But here's the good news. This isn't always going to be our home. Lift your eyes to heaven and tabernacles is all about the second coming of Jesus, that Jesus comes back. Now let me, let me wrap it all up for you together and give you this idea of Pentecost. It's three feasts. It starts at salvation. That's what you need most. It begins at the cross at Passover. You're forgiven. You're saved. The blood of Jesus is applied. But once you're saved, you have an assignment to do, something you're called to do. And you need power in your life to do what God's called you to do. That's why every single believer in Jesus needs Pentecost. Because you and I need power to do the thing God called me to do. It's not about my salvation. It's about my assignment. You didn't catch that, so I'll say it again. It's not about whether or not I'm saved and on my way to heaven. It's whether or not I'm saved on my way to heaven and doing what God called me to do with my life. I'm going to keep digging further till you amen loud enough that I feel like uh, you're getting it. (laughs) You can be on your way to heaven and still living in hell. I've met a lot of Christians on their way to heaven, but it's hell on earth. Tell me the difference. I'll tell you, the the in-between Passover and when you get to heaven is the power you need to walk through the hell that you walk through. And that is the promise of Pentecost. It's that God can give you power, strength, supernatural wisdom, overcoming power. God has something for you that He wants to baptize you with, immerse you in, fill you up with. So that when you walk through this earth on our way to heaven, you have power in the journey. Shout amen to that. Type amen to that, everybody. If I was at home, I'd be shouting in my house. Amen to that. I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me preach a little bit about it today. Now, I'm not telling you everything there is. I'm just giving you enough for you to know it's for you. Here's the first thing. Baptism is an immersion. When we baptize you in water, I preached this to you several weeks ago. When we baptize you in water, we fully immerse you under the water. It literally, The word baptism is derived from the word baptizo that literally means to completely cover under water. Some of you were bad enough, we held you down a little longer. And we want to see the bubbles come up to make sure it worked. And you can have another baptism. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same exact thing. It's an immersion. Let me explain it to you this way. Is this bottle full of water, yes or no? It, I, I don't know how that was a hard question for half of you. Is this bottle full of water, yes or no? 
Yeah. Everything in this bottle is water, yes or no? But is this water immer- is this bottle immersed in water? Everything inside of you as a believer in Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He's in you, working, changing, sanctifying, helping you, making you more like Jesus. When you come to faith in Jesus, the Bible said you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you, but you need a baptism where you take that bottle, and if I chunked it in the Pacific Ocean, now is the water still in the bottle, yes or no? Yes, but is there water all around the bottle, yes or no? That's what I want for you. I want it more from just inside you to well it engulfs you. It overflows from you. You're immersed in it, baptized in it, covered in it. It's on my head. It's in my mind. It's in my heart. It covers my mouth. It covers my eyes. It covers what I hear. It covers where I go. It covers what I do. Are you there? Shout amen. It's a baptism. It's more than what's in you. It's what's overflowing from you. That's Pentecost. It's more than just filling you up. It's baptizing you. It's changing everything about you. It's producing the fruit of the Spirit in you. It's making everything in my life more like Jesus. It changes how I talk. It changes how I walk. It changes what I think. It changes what I do. It changes where I go. It changes where I don't go. It changes what I post on Facebook. That one's not even in my notes. It paces what it changes what I how I talk to my kids. It changes the fact that I stopped kicking my dog. It changes the fact that how I talk to my wife. When I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not just working on the inside. It affects everything around me. You can't find a single part of the bottle in the Pacific Ocean not touched by the ocean. Because it's baptized in water. You need a baptism of power in your life. Everything changes in a baptism. Say amen to that. No part of you isn't fully immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a sign that follows that baptism. And and that's, honestly, that's where most people get hung up. You're okay with the fact that I need this baptism in my life and I want this full immersion of the Holy Spirit all over me affecting every area of my life. And there's a physical sign that follows what happens on the inside. It happens at salvation, by the way. The book of Romans says it like this, that if you'll believe in your heart that Jesus came, He was crucified, and if you'll believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you'll confess with your mouth these things, Notice the order of salvation. It's inward and it's outward. It's inward and it's outward. It's something in my heart that comes out of my mouth. The same thing's true with the spirit baptism. Subsequent to your salvation experience, it's the same thing. It's got a physical sign that accompanies what's already happening in the spirit. And Acts 2 tells you what, what most of the time this physical sign in the book of Acts would follow the spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and 4 says all of them were... Filled to overflowing, baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When you and I are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there will be a physical sign that accompanies spirit baptism. And most often in the New Testament, not always, they preach the word with boldness, that's a sign. They prophesied, that's a sign. But most often in the New Testament, you'll find the sign that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit as speaking in another language, speaking in tongues, other languages, as God gives you the ability to do that. Now listen, 
Speaking in tongues isn't the only sign, but it's the most common one. And I believe that most believers, I think all believers, should desire that God would give you the ability to communicate with God in a prayer language that God would give you in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say amen to that. Tongues are not the Holy Spirit. They're a sign of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again, just for everybody in the back. Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Spirit. It's a sign. It's not even the evidence. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is that your life is completely changed. I've met people who speak in tongues whose lives haven't changed. I've met people who have a gift that don't have any fruit in their lives. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the Spirit's work in my life. But the sign that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit most often is tongues. It's a communication that you can have between you and God that the Holy Spirit is praying for you, encouraging you, building up your faith, leading you, guiding you, comforting you, giving you wisdom. Does that sound like something everybody needs? I need that. And when you have that gift in your life that I think God wants to give you, that prayer language between you and God, it builds you up. It gives you strength. It encourages you. It makes you. It's encouraging to every area of your life. Now listen close. Write this in your notes. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Let me say it again. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't make you a second class Christian because you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't make me superior to you because I have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Now I can control my tongue better. Now I can control my thoughts better. Now I have the power of the Holy Spirit helping me think like God thinks. Act in a way that pleases God. Make decisions in a way that pleases God. Gives me wisdom when I need wisdom. And it gives me a prayer language to communicate with God when I don't know what to pray. We're closing out. Yeah, matter of fact, yesterday we closed out an amazing season of 21 days of prayer and fasting together with our church family. Thank you for those of you who sacrificed and gave and came at 6 o'clock in the morning. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to pray a little bit later. I'm just warning you now. I've been doing that 6 a.m. thing, and I, I, I've asked the Lord. He did tell me He's available after 7, so I am going to... I am going to pray a little bit later tomorrow, but there's some, you're, you're knelt down to pray and not knowing what to say. That it's so hard, that things are so bad, that you're so discouraged, that there's so much anxiety and fear and worry, and you don't even have the words to form. The Bible says you can have a communication with God. And when I don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit is praying for me, guiding me, filling me, comforting me, giving me wisdom, giving you Wisdom, say amen to that. So baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an immersion. It covers all of me. There's a sign that follows it that you should ask God to give you. And here's the final thing before we pray today. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. It's for you. It's for you. Write it in your notes. It's for me. I I may have never experienced it or never even heard it preached about, taught about, but it's for me. 
One of the things I wanted to do over the last four weeks in this series is to open God's Word, especially the book of Acts, and say, if it was for them, it's for me. If it could happen in their life, it can happen in my life. If God can perform miracles then, He can perform miracles now. If God could raise the dead then, He can raise the dead now. Do you believe that? If God could open blind eyes then, He could open blind eyes now. Do you believe that? If God would have the promise and power of the Holy Spirit for them, then He can do that for you today. Acts 2 ends like this. A couple of verses before the end, verse 38, Peter said, Peter's preached the whole message about salvation. All of Acts 2 is Peter preaching Passover. I didn't mean for all that to be peace, but anyway. Peter talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. That's what Peter preaches in Acts 2. And then, and then the people go, okay, we'll believe that. Tell me what to do with that. He says, okay, it's for you. Repent. You recognize that I, I got to have what I, I got to have what God's done for me. I need that forgiveness in my life. I need salvation. I need Passover and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a water baptism that is washing away all of your sins. That you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You're born again. There, the blood's applied at Passover, and then. I'm baptized to identify with His death, burial, and resurrection. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the operative phrase that Peter ends his message on the day of Pentecost with. The promise, verse 39, the promise is for you. It's for you. It's a promise from God. I told you this in this message series, but I have two babies, uh, uh, almost uh, six-year-old and an almost nine-year-old. And uh, my nine-year-old says she's eight and three-quarters. And um, when I make promises, they don't let me forget, right? When I say, if you'll do, then Daddy will. Henry, my, my little boy, my youngest, has begun, I don't know where he found it, it must have been something his mother taught him, that, that I have to pinky promise. Anybody know what I'm talking about there? Which, which for him just means he sticks his little stubby hand out and, and I, have to, I, have to, I have to pinky, like a regular promise isn't good enough. Somehow touching his pinky makes it better. But I do it. And I got to be honest with you, there are times I just forget the pinky promise because parents, are you with me on this? There's sometimes we just say yes so you'll be quiet. That's a whole nother series. (laughs) And he doesn't let me forget. Now God doesn't forget his promise to you. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead with God. You don't have to feel like less than a Christian because you haven't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You just have to receive the promise. It's for you. Uh, uh, It continues, verse 39 continues, it's for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, whoever God decides to call. It wasn't just for a select few on the first day of Pentecost. It's for everybody, every believer, every person, every person at church today. It's for you. How do I receive this gift? You just have to ask. You just have to ask. Asking for more. Seeking God in prayer, in worship. How how do I know? When, When could it happen today? At home, 
around the kitchen table, in worship today, in prayer in just a moment, in a service just like this, in your car, in your bed at night with tears rolling out of your eyes when you recognize, I don't have enough strength to face what I'm facing now. I need more. Pastor, I don't know. I've never experienced it. Let me remind you again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. It gives me the power I need to face what we all are facing together. It gives you power to walk through the darkest seasons of your life. It gives you the strength to be able to say no to sin that maybe you've dealt with a long time in your life and you feel like, I don't know how I could ever get out of this. I've tried to kick it on my own. I've tried to give this up. I've tried to walk away and I don't know how to do it now. You need power. You need need power from God. This entire series has been about the reviving of your souls, the refreshing. It's not something that's a a negative or something that weighs you down or something that you ought to just... I've met spirit-baptized, spirit-filled believers who just... It's such a serious... They're just so weighed down by... No, the Holy Spirit gives you joy. It gives you purpose. It gives you purpose and power to do what God's called you to do in your life. Gives you power in your relationships. Overcoming power to have joy again against depression and anxiety and fear and worry. And it's a promise for you. It's a spiritual drink of cold water on a hot summer day. And I want you to experience that baptism. It's a cool breeze from God that fills our lungs up. It's just a breath of fresh air. In the staleness that is our world today, it fills our lungs up. My prayer for you is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. That you're baptized with fresh air. That the mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit would come to you. That you'll seek Him with your whole heart. That you'll be open to something maybe you don't even understand. You know, like in Acts. I didn't even know there was something like that available. But I'm open to it. If, if, if God really does have a gift for me, it must be good. And it must be for my good. So I need it. So I'll receive it. If that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity in this moment for whatever you need from God. Maybe this weekend at church online, you need to start at the beginning. You need a fresh start with God at Passover where the blood of Jesus covers all of your sins. Maybe you came to church full of guilt and shame and all of your sins carrying it on yourself. You need, you, you need Passover. You need God to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, make you brand new. Start there. Maybe you're a Christian. You've been a Christian for a very long time. But you're just a Christian trying on your own to dig your own way out. You need some help. You need the helper, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom. All of these, by the way, are talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, and He's for you. And all you have to do to receive it is ask. And I'm going to give you a chance to ask either Jesus to be Lord of your life today over the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll worship. One more time today. And I have a gift for you. I want to talk to you about afterwards. But I want to pray for you first. 
So everybody at church online and everybody in the room, would you bow your heads? With no one looking around, would you be honest enough, even at church online, I know you're all by yourself or maybe just with your family, while you're staring at that phone or tablet or maybe on the big screen in your living room, would you be honest enough to say, I need that, I need something fresh today. I need God to touch me. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I I need salvation today. I need God to move in my life. If that's you in the room or in your home, just hands up all over the house. Come on. Raise that hand and say, I need that today. I need that promise and power. I see you. God bless you. 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 Thank you. I want that experience with God. I want that experience today. Now put your hands down. If you've never surrendered your whole life to Jesus, that's where you got to start. you got to make a fresh start today. If that's you, just pray a prayer that sounds like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you, Jesus, that you were buried, but you didn't stay there, that God raised you from the dead. I believe that that happened. I believe it happened that you could pay for my sins, so I give them all to you. I repent. I'm asking you to wash me, cleanse me, make me brand new. I give you my whole life. Be the Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, we believe God saves you, forgives you. In that moment, makes you child of the Most High God. Translated into the kingdom of light, but there's more. While you're still in a posture of prayer. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you want that power from on high, why don't you just extend your hands, kind of open like a funnel, right in front of you, wherever you are, and say, God, I need that. I want that. I want the Holy Spirit moving in my life, baptizing me, cleansing me, filling me to overflowing. I need the Holy Spirit washing every area of my life from my mind to my feet. In my, in my mind, everything that I think, I want the Holy Spirit baptizing it. God, in my eyes, what I see, help me to see what God sees. God, in my mouth, what I say, help, help me to, God, I need the Holy Spirit baptizing all of me so that what I say is what God says. My ears, what I hear. God, I, I, I want to hear God's promises for me. I need a baptism. My hands, what I do. Where, where I go, my feet. God, I want all of me baptized with all of you. I need need that power. I want that communion with God. God, give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Give me every gift that you have for me. God, give me the ability to commune with God. That language that is inside of me that would flow out of me that I could communicate just you and I. I pray for that. I pray for every person today to experience that in this moment, in in a church service, in a time of worship, around their kitchen table. It doesn't really matter where it happens, but I pray it happens for every single person. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, put your hands together for the word of the Lord.